But can I say, yeah, I'm ready to go Like weed seeds in the pot, yeah, I'm ready to grow And I don't care if the growth is fast or slow Grow my fan base, cause that's what really matters the most I see the top of y'all, swear I'm so close You ain't taking medication, let me give you a dose I am the realest in the end, that's not no quote Let's see who disagrees, raise your hand to vote Welcome to Feel the Heat, episode nine. We got some great content for you. We're bringing you some of the most uncomfortable takes today in sports. I'm your host, Day, along with my co-host, Webb. Hey, how y'all doing? Glad to be back for episode nine. Let's get into it. All right. So, as you know, everyone has an opinion, but not everyone backs up with the facts. Here at Feel the Heat, we back up our opinion with the facts. And feel free to send us your questions or topics that you would like us to cover at anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message. You can also reach us on Twitter at feel the heat underscore KW. Let's get into this. The NCAA, um, we're going to have some recaps from games of the week last week. Go ahead, Webb. Uh, Our first game is Arizona State at Michigan State. And to be quite honest with you, I'm actually embarrassed to be a Michigan State fan this week. But it is what it is. I'm kind of shocked, but not that shocked. I mean, the only reason I'm shocked is uh, Arizona State won with a a freshman quarterback who was honestly throwing kind of sloppy. But when he got outside the tackles, Michigan State seemed to just couldn't track him down. They couldn't rally to the ball. And he just kept the chains moving and kept giving Arizona State chances to score. I mean, if you want to look at uh, quarterbacks, I mean, Jaden Daniels, 15 for 2,640 yards. So, like I said, he like throwing the ball, he wasn't that great. Brian Lewerke either. I mean, 24 for 38, 291 yards. I mean, both their QBRs were under 60%. So, it was a very sloppy game. However, Michigan State's pass rush, I can say, stayed strong and stayed consistent throughout the whole game. I mean, they did a good job of getting in Jaden Daniels' face and forcing him out of the pocket, but they couldn't really do much else right. I mean, it sucks that they lost, but I'm more embarrassed in the fashion they lost. I mean, 12 men on the field to set up the field goal to tie it at the end of the game. Then they get pushed back five yards, and they miss it, and they lose. Like, that's honest. That's embarrassing. I mean, you're a Big Ten school. That's embarrassing to lose to Arizona State, especially two years in a row. Absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, you brought out some of the points that I would have said about Michigan State, especially about the 12 men on the um, on the field at the end of the game to win the game and then to go ahead and miss it after that. Um, you, you also take into the 10 penalties they had for 91 yards. It, it was just terrible. It was terrible. Um play calling, terrible decisions by the coaches. Uh, you think about the example, um, fourth and one, and the Spartans um, ran a handoff to Connor Hayward when they could have used Elijah Collins, who's a better, more powerful back. Just a lot of things that they need to reconsider going into Big Ten play. Um, that was a must-win must for Michigan State. They should have been 3-0. and 
after week uh, three, but um, they have time to bounce back and, and re-strategize their, their coaching decisions and playmakers. Let's move on to Florida at Kentucky. Honestly, I enjoyed this game. Florida at Kentucky was a real good game to watch. Felipe Frank started off pretty strong. He started off pretty strong. Uh, he goes down in the third quarter. Kyle Trask comes in at a 10-21 to 21 deficit, I believe. Franks leaves the game with a dislocated ankle. Uh, Kyle Trask, I mean, he looked very patient to me. He kept working the underneath routes, just taking what the defense was giving him, keeping the chains moving. And then uh, he had a pitch to uh, Perrine for a touchdown, which made it 16-21. to 21. And then Kyle Trask runs... I think I believe it was the next series. I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure exactly. I don't have a photographic memory. But uh, yeah, it was the next series that he ran in for a rushing touchdown. We thought Florida was out of this game. I really did. But Kentucky's Kentucky really just made too many mistakes. I mean, three interceptions. They really couldn't capitalize on the mistakes that Florida made, and when. Florida caught their second win on defense and their offense kept rolling. Kentucky just couldn't keep up. They couldn't capitalize. And just like Michigan State, um, a lot of the mistakes and the loss goes to the coaching decisions. I mean, you're on what the, I think they were on the 46-yard line, 47-yard line, and you decide to go for it on fourth and one instead of just taking a punt. And Florida capitalized off that mistake. So, you have to you have to be more strategic in your coaching and knowing that Florida has the best defensive line when it comes to defending the rush. And you go for it on fourth and one and you're not even close. Right. Just to give you some just to give you some quick stats. Ranks 12 for 17, 174 yards. Trask, 9 for 13, 126 yards. Smith uh, for the Kentucky Wildcats, 23 for 35, 267 yards, two touchdowns, and like I said, three interceptions. I mean, for Florida, the passing game was really clicking. Josh Hammond, one, he had a carry for uh, 76 yards. And then um, for catching, honestly, I wanted to see more from Josh Hammond. One reception for 14 yards, but Van Jefferson, he looked nice. Seven receptions for 93 yards. Pitts, four receptions for 60 yards. Swain, four for 50, four receptions for 57 yards, and the list goes on and on. But I think... Yeah, I would say also... No, go ahead. I would would say also, too, that uh, Felipe Franks, I, I think he came in, and he's the reason also that Florida was in this deficit. He came in trying to play hero ball. I believe it was like third and six in the first quarter in his first series, and he throws a deep ball to the end zone, offered to be picked off by Kentucky when he could have hit the underneath route. There would have been an automatic first down, and that receiver had at least 10 yards to run before the the closest defender was to him. Uh, He needs to be more smart. I mean, I think he'll take this time while he's injured to look at film, to evaluate how he can be better at his gameplay, but I was very disappointed on how he managed that game. Florida's defense really bailed him out. They really did. Absolutely. 
So over the weekend, we heard that California's legislators passed the Fair Act to Play Act, um, which will require large public and private universities in the state to let student athletes accept compensation for the use of their names and likeness and images, which brings us to this question. Should college athletes be paid for their image and their likeness? As far as my opinion goes, this is a two-part answer. Should they be paid for their likeness and their image? Yes. If it's from an outside source like Nike, Adidas, Gatorade, and those type of companies, especially if ads are being run with these athletes using their products, um, their services, or if they have apparel being sold, it just makes sense. Plus, they're already doing it. These big companies are already paying them under the table. So just go ahead and make it a law that if you use this stuff to pay them. But I think a lot of people want universities to pay students as well. And in regards to that, the answer is no. You have to think about this. You already are being compensated with a scholarship. You have housing, you have your meal plans um, to make sure you eat, you have tuition and your books covered, tutoring covered. In most colleges, that's going to be about 10 grand a semester on average. It depends on where you go. You know, some schools like that are private, um, Miami, uh, Sanford, those schools are going to be a little bit more. My thing is this, if the university, university is to pay you, then are they writing you a check and making you responsible to pay your tuition, your books for your dorm or your apartment? And if you don't do those things, which are the little requirements for you to stay an active football player in this program, can I fire you on the spot? If you have disciplinary action problems, can I fire you on the spot? And if you don't live up to your star status, can I fire you with or without reason? If the university pays students, are they employees or are they students? Oh, and by the way, if the university pays students, guess what? Instead of 80-something football players being on a scholarship, it drops to about 30-something, which means that that percentage of you getting to the NFL decreases even more. The percentage of you getting a scholarship, those small kids... Those small town kids, it decreases even more. And the universities can now make you sign a non-compete, which they already do somewhat, where you can agree that this, um, where you can't go anywhere, excuse me, to a university that is similar to this program for the next year or two. And that will guarantee that the university will be allowed to get rid of the appeals. So as far as the um, endorsements, sponsorships, that's different. But if you want to say the university, the colleges should pay the student athletes, then that's where I disagree. I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm kind of torn because I feel like if, I feel like they should get something for their likeness, for their jerseys, all that good stuff. But I just, I don't think they should be paid. I think it takes, I, I really agree with Tim Tebow. I think it takes away from what college sports really is about there's uh, there's opportunity to make money in the nfl and like you said with scholarships and stuff some people really depend on those scholarships to make it out to make it in life to be something and to support themselves and their family and i feel like somebody who wants a check i think that takes away from them people that really dream about this stuff their whole life and, I agree. And even for like tra- even for like transfers and stuff. Say, uh, 
a guy was getting paid X amount of, we'll just say Jalen Hurts, for example, he was getting paid X amount of dollars at Alabama, which is the best college program in the country. Now he transfers to Oklahoma. Where would be the, where would the difference be in there? Would anything change? Like it's little, like it's little stuff like that, that I think about. I think they should be paid for their jerseys and their likeness. Like if, like for, like if they bring NCAA back or if your jersey is sold, but other than that, I don't, I don't think they should. Like you said, scholarships cover pretty much everything. Yeah, absolutely. They pretty much cover everything. But people say, well, you know, a lot of these kids come from poor families and, and um, their families aren't making it back home and they're at school. But my thing is, if those kids were at school playing football and they were at home, the families would still be struggling. It's unfortunate, but it's true. It's very true. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think we're both on the same page. If you're going to use them to for NCAA football uh, games for game systems or you're going to sell their jerseys and make million dollars off of it, now that's different. I was, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I understand what people how what when people say when they come out of a tough situation and they gotta they gotta put something on the table for their families because they're struggling but at the same but it just I don't I don't know I'm really I'm honestly torn because as I, a student it's not your responsibility to take care of your family that's a poor mindset if your family's saying go to school they're going to pay you a check so that you can take care of the family. That's a poor mindset. The family should be pushing them to go to school, to go to the university, get an education so they could be better in their life. And then maybe once they get established, they can help their family at home. But if the family is saying go to school so the school can write you a check so you can send that money back home to help mom pay the light bills and put food on the table, that's a poor mindset and is reason why people stay in those poor conditions. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just, I, I just, I understand everybody's point and I understand why they haven't been getting paid. There's just, there's a lot of little stuff that conflicts with, there's a lot of conflicting views that's really hard for me to put down a specific opinion on whether I think they should get paid or whether I think they shouldn't. It's just, that's a difficult question for me. But overall, I I think it's I think they should get I don't think they should get paid to be honest. I think they should just leave it the way it is. Other than if NCA comes back and you're in the game or uh, your jersey is selling, I think other than that, I don't think they should get paid. And I agree. So we're gonna go ahead and move forward. The NFL Week Two wrapped up, and here are my key takeaways: the Bills run the state of New York. The Jets look like they will be in competition with Miami for the team to go 0-16. The Seahawks are missing a piece on offense. They are 2-0, but they are struggling to score against opponents. A.B. and Tom Brady look like they've been playing together for years. While the Packers game one week was a fluke, they are better than they looked. And Chicago's offense is what will keep them out of the games. Webb is going to break down um, the Jalen Ramsey request um, requested a trade from the Jags. Who is the best fit? Honestly, uh, looking at everybody, Jalen, I uh, I want to see Jalen Ramsey go somewhere where he could be a contender, and I'm sure he would too. I think that's why he even requested a trade in the first place. So I think the best place 
would be the Chiefs. They have a suspect defense. They have an overpowered offense. And I think they have some pieces that they can part with, and they'd still have a pretty dominant offense. And then they could get Jalen Ramsey, and that would up their defense a lot. I mean, Jalen Ramsey, in terms of man-to-man coverage, is the best corner in the NFL. And and if anybody has a pro- has a problem with that, tell me why. Explain it to me, because the last three the last three years, the Jaguars have sucked. Blake Bortles has. They, he, he's been giving away games. I mean, what do you get a ninety million dollar contract? And they and they got close to making the playoffs, but they lost. And every time Jalen Ramsey has stepped on the field with Jaguars, he's been the best defender, and he's given them the best that he can offer. And he's tired of losing. And I agree with him. And I think I should. I would like to see him go to the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are a good fit. They were like my second pick. But I think the better pick would be the Eagles because they desperately need a cornerback. If you see how the Falcons exposed and targeted Darby all night, I believe he had something like um, 14 targets in his direction that night. And it was 11 completions. And he just looked like he, he didn't know how to guard Julio or Sanu or Calvin Ridley. But he did redeem himself by picking off an underthrown ball by Matt Ryan. So... I think it's the Eagles or the Chiefs. That's but I did see a joke. I did see a joke where they said, "Why don't they just let Jalen Ramsey go to the Patriots and see if they can win with all the best players on the league?" That's funny. That's not, that's actually funny. Uh, I think the Patriots could. I think the Patriots could get him too. I mean, if they wanted to trade for him, but I, they don't need him. They got Stephon Gilmore. Uh, but that would be dope. Absolutely. So, as we know, Drew Drew Brees will be out the next six weeks with a torn ligament in his thumb. What do you think the Saints will look like without Brees? Um, I think they'll look like a pretty average football team, to be honest. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, he's no he's no scrub but he's not a star either and he just doesn't have the same chemistry level with the rest of the team that Drew Brees would have he would doesn't have the same field general esque like leadership qualities that Drew Brees has i think that the i think that the saints i think that they could make the playoffs but i think they'll go down in less dramatic fashion than they have in recent years like the Cowboys, for example, they look good in the regular season. They make it to the playoffs and they lose. They fall short. That's what I think it's going to look like for the Saints. I think they'll just go down in less dramatic fashion than they did the last two years. Over the next six games, if Saint, if, if Breeze is really out, I think the Saints will probably struggle. Struggle most likely they will. They'll end up with something like two and four. And hopefully he's really back in six weeks. It's not really like eight to ten weeks. Because um, that would be like the whole season pretty much. Unless Teddy Bridgewater is better than what he showed on Sunday. He really was not a field general. He didn't look like he was ready to get in the game against the Rams. And I was just talking with my uncle about this. and He said, you know, maybe Teddy Bridgewater got accustomed to being a fan of the game and not really in the game. So hopefully this week's practice changes that up because... He looked like a deer in headlights. And I think they will depend a lot on their running game. 
and consequently Michael Thomas's value will drop a little bit. And I think other teams will anticipate the Saints leaning on their running game a little more. So I think they will struggle. But who knows? Teddy Bridgewater might it might click for him sooner or later. But only time will tell. Absolutely. In other news, the Dolphins need a quarterback desperately. How about Colin Kaepernick? Well, I just want to add to that. There's multiple teams that need a quarterback. I mean, the Jets, the Jets are on their third string quarterback after losing Trevor Simeon last night when Miles Garrett hit him. And I'm surprised he even was able to walk off the field. It looked like Trevor Simeon broke his ankle. Uh, and as you know, Sam Darnold's out with Mono for at least a month. So, and Big Ben's out. So, I think there's multiple teams that could use Colin Kaepernick. Do I think it'll happen? Probably not. But as of right now, I think the league is more geared toward a quarterback like Colin Kaepernick, like a dual threat quarterback. You know what I mean? Like the Lamar Jacksons. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think it'll happen, but not for football reasons, but just for pure politics. Absolutely. You're right. And you hit it the nail right on the head. Um, he's available and obviously he's been available for the last couple of seasons and no one has picked him up. But like you said, between the Dolphins, the Jags, the Jets, the Steelers, their situation for quarterback is very terrible. And I think about Fitzpatrick, between Fitzpatrick and Rosen, they're just terrible. I, I don't know what to think about the Dolphins, really, honestly. I mean, if I'm the Dolphins, no matter what the politics is, I'm going to call Colin Kaepernick and schedule him a workout just to see. I mean, Jesus, man. These guys just look like they've never played football a day in their life, man. I don't even want to talk about this no more. It's, it's very irritating. How about this question? Does Melvin Gordon need to be concerned with Eckler's performance? Um, I think that, I think he does. I definitely think he does because, as you know, uh, he held out and the Chargers completely dismissed it. Like they said, we're not even gonna we're not even gonna talk about it this season. If we're gonna talk about a new contract with Melvin, we're gonna talk about it next season. And that was before Austin Eckler even started. Even started. You know what I mean? Absolutely. If you are Melvin Gordon, you've noticed that Eckler is the RB one right now. And if the Chargers if Melvin Gordon decides to come back and the Chargers decide to make Melvin Gordon the RB1 and Austin Eckler the two, if you're Austin Eckler during the offseason, do you request a trade or look for a move free agency? Because that's just a slap in the face. If I'm going to carry this team for the next six to eight weeks and I'm going to play the way that I'm playing, which he looks phenomenal. He looks like one of the best running backs in the league right now. That's a slap in the face to bring Melvin Gordon back and then give him reps. I mean, I know that Melvin Gordon has to come in at least by week eight to be eligible for um, an extension in his contract. But even if he comes back, if I'm the Chargers, do I incorporate him in my game plan unless I really need to? No. I mean, I think the char- the charge I think the Chargers can do fine without Melvin Gordon, to be honest. So I think they might as well trade him. I think you're right. Um, it just depends on what they get back. If they get a tight end for him, that would be wonderful. 
Ben Roethlisberger is having elbow surgery and is going to miss the rest of the season, should he retire? Yeah, I think it's about time for uh, Big Ben to hang it up. I mean, I think I heard some. I, I heard somebody say that he was just gonna finish out his contract and and be done. But I don't know what the Steelers are gonna look like without Ben Roethlisberger. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I really think they're gonna be a 500 team this year. I mean, they're they only two, be, right? They might be in the run for maybe two or three wins this year. You think so? Only two or three wins? I mean, they have their backup quarterback, Mason Rudolph, and he looked good, but this is his first year really playing in the NFL, like being a starter. What can you really expect out of him? I really don't know too much about him. I just watched him on the game, and he looked good, but they really don't. I think uh, James Connors hurt too. So that really hurts them. They don't have any diversity in their game right now. And if you have to depend on him making plays with his arm, what should we expect? Right. I mean, if he can't get it to Juju, the Steelers are just about done. I mean, you see, uh, I believe Dante Moncrief in the last two weeks has been targeted over like 14 times. And he's got like 12 drops. So they don't really have anybody besides uh, Juju and, and James Washington should be getting a start over Dante Moncrief. I don't care how fast he is. He can't catch oh. the damn ball. Oh, also, by the way, uh, I don't know if you know this yet, but uh, Minka Fitzpatrick did get traded to the Steelers for a first-round pick, a uh, 2020 first-round pick. Uh, yes, and that, that will help the Steelers because right now they're ranked the fourth-worst defense in the league. I just wanted to throw that in there. I didn't know if anybody knew that. Absolutely. We're going to move on and get ready to wrap up here. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and talk, unless you got something for the NBA, do you? No, I haven't heard much about, I haven't heard much from the NBA. Not too much NBA news right now. So we're going to go ahead and jump into the WNBA. Um, the Aces beat the Chicago Sky in a miracle half-court shot, 93-92. to Erica Hamby will never forget this shot. The Aces were trailing the Sky by two in their elimination in the second round of the playoffs. Sunday, with the time winding down, Las Vegas had gone scoreless for more than three minutes of play at the end of the game and allowed Chicago to turn a 90-85 to deficit into 92-90. to When the Aces tried to foul Courtney Vandersloot of the sky, she tossed up a pass near the midcourt that was intercepted by Hamby. Hamby, who was awarded the league's sixth woman of the year earlier in the day, took one dribble along the sideline as she did her best to make sure she didn't go out of bounds and then heaved up an attempt from three. They gave her squad a lead. Aces advanced to the next round and will face the Mystics September 22nd at the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas. Meanwhile, the Sparks just completely murdered Seattle. They didn't have Sue Bird. She's obviously retired and not in the league, and neither did they have Brianna Stewart. So the final score was 92 to 69, and the Sparks will play the Connecticut Sun September 22nd on ESPN2. You have anything else you'd like to add to the show before we wrap up today? Yeah, I, I caught a I caught a glimpse of that uh of that clip of that miracle half court shot, and it was kind of funny watching James Harden on the sideline be a spectator, and the shock and awe on his face was kind of funny to me because it's normally him on the court doing spectacular things. But that shot was crazy, 
And honestly, she had enough time to get a little bit closer. Absolutely. Absolutely. I put, when I look back at it, I'm thinking maybe she did the right thing because she, if she would have gotten closer, she might have missed the layup or she might have missed the pull-up jumper. But the Aces actually practice that every day at the end of their practice. Everyone has to shoot a half-court shot and make it. That's something that they practice. So whatever works. I think she, she just reverted back to that, just being in practice mode or, you know, this is survival mode at, at this point, you know, either win or go home. And she stole that ball and just threw it up there. And, and if you looked at her face, her, her her reaction was priceless. And she was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God. She couldn't even believe she made the shot. And the way that the Thomas and Mack Center erupted, I mean, if you look at the, the replay, our listeners, if you have a chance, go ahead and Google that. Um, Las Vegas Aces miracle shot, Dierica Hamby. You see the reaction to everybody who watched that. Like Webb said, James Harden, all the men there that was cheering on the team. Nobody could believe that shot really went in. And I think she had five seconds left on the shot clock. Yeah. James Harden, all shock and awe. It's funny. It was crazy. I was I had just flipped to that game. I was watching a little bit of NFL, and I had just flipped to that game and caught that, and I was just like, wow, this is crazy. But here we have it. The, the matchups for the next round are set. So that does it for us today. Thank you for joining Phil the Heat, as stated. Got a little hot in here. I know that a lot of people will not be happy with our take on whether college players should be paid or not, but that's just what it is. It's our opinions. If you have any questions, make sure you – Drop them in to us at anchor.fm forward slash fill the heat forward slash message or at Twitter at fill the heat underscore KW. Once again, I'm your host, Day, along with my co-host, Webb, and here's his final thoughts before episode 10 airs, which we will cover games of the week for the NCAA and the NFL. Hey, I'm looking forward to episode 10. I'm honestly having fun with, uh, with the podcast, my first podcast, and I'm having fun. So... I hope to get better and give you better, more in-depth takes. Just be patient with me, and I'll see you on the next one. All right, you guys have a good week. See you on Friday.